What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Hello and welcome to another episode of This Week in Sports. As always, I'm your host, The Pody. It is Saturday, February 12th. 2022. I have a couple very special guests. I'm going to kick things off with Priyank to my left, aka P Daddy. What is up, my guy? Hello, hello, hello. Our very first podcast host in this week in sports history, mind you. Quick fun fact there. And to my right, who says white men can't jump? It is Nick, aka Denver fan. Yo, what is up? Glad to be back. We got some nice news coming your way, guys. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to fill you guys in on all things sports-related heading into Super Bowl Sunday weekend. And like I said, good to be here and especially joined by two of my best friends, P. Daddy and The Pody. That is right. We've got trade deadline news. Of course, trade deadline was uh, just the other day, and we're going to jump in. We're going to talk about the trade deadline and then, of course, get to the most important Super Bowl 56 will give you bets, prop bets we like, etc. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, let's start with the big daddy of them all. That is the Nets and 76ers with the biggest blockbuster trade of uh, of the season, uh, really. We, we, we saw... Uh, about a, a month ago, I would say, I started to see these rumblings that James Harden wanted out of Brooklyn. I didn't really want to pay attention to any of it. I didn't think it could be true. But the fat man himself called it. Brian Windhorst is clearly the lead over at ESPN now and has established himself um, a tier above Woj because Woj did not drop this story. Woj said this deal was not getting done. So, Priyank, you, you want to jump in and take over on this one? Yes, I do. So, uh, Harden and Paul Millsap are going to the 76ers, and the Nets are getting back Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Drummond, and two first-round picks. So, just a few things, uh, face value. It seems as though the 76ers gave up a lot. Um, I, I remember hearing them wanting first-round picks with Ben Simmons, and now they're giving away two first-round picks. So just from face value, it seems as if, you know, they're they're giving up a lot more, um, especially for just one player. Paul Millsap wasn't even in the rotation for the Nets. So it seems like the Nets have won this trade for face value. But uh, after doing a little more um, looking into it, uh, I I don't know. I think I think for this year, I'd say the 76ers won this trade, I think, for this year. And the reason I'm saying that is you have you have Ben Simmons um, leaving. They're leaving the 76ers. This black, dark cloud surrounding the 76ers, gone. Okay? They already are in the top of the East. They already are playing fantastic ball without him. Now you're getting rid of Simmons. You're already keeping Matisse Taibel, who's an elite defender. You're keeping Tyrese Maxey, who's coming along pretty nicely, if you ask me. You're getting rid of Seth Curry, yes, but the, what Harden brings is a uh, a player that can move the ball, shoot the ball really nicely, and I think him and Embiid playing this pick-and-roll game is going to be fantastic. And the other point I do want to bring is Harden, when he comes to an environment where he is happy, right? We saw him come to Brooklyn. We saw him come to the Nets. And immediately, what impact he had. 
right? He was dropping triple doubles again, like he did back in the day, double doubles out the wazoo. And I think coming to Philadelphia, even with this being a destination he had mentioned when he was getting traded from Houston, I think he's going to come back to his, um, his ability to play that we've known for quite a, quite a while. Um, you want me to step in here, Pody, and cut this guy off? I don't please. know what he's talking about. I don't please. know. Okay. Uh, I think, <laughs> Where do I, I, think, I, I think, no, 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 no. Somebody has to put an end to this. First of all, the 76ers dealt the, the most hated player in the history and city of Philadelphia for the last nine months. This guy was a total bust when it came to the playoffs. He let the city down big time. So they're all happy that he's out of town. He wasn't even More playing More hated anyway. than Carson Wentz, even. More hated than Carson Wentz, Okay. First of all, at face value, yes, you're right. But it's an even trade because both teams got rid of pieces that they didn't want. Who ended up on top? Definitely the Nets. They got pieces that they needed. They got draft picks. Um, The other thing that people are kind of talking about but not really is Seth Curry is the father of the Philadelphia 76ers head coach, his grandkids. Okay, It's a family breakup. He now has to drive two and a half hours up to Brooklyn to see his granddaughter. Okay, I'm sure he's upset about that. Nothing in this trade was good except the fact that they got hardened. That's it. Philly got completely washed. They got cleaned out. They lost a key piece in Andre Drummond. I don't know why they gave up so much. I guess they really fell for the Nets bluff and that they weren't going to make this trade. I guess they just kept anteing up, anteing up until they finally got enough of Philly's pieces to say yes. I have no idea why they did that. Let me cut you off here and say one last thing here. Go ahead. Okay, I will say the Nets did get better, but you're thinking about a couple things here now. Kyrie is still not available for, for many games, for many games. I saw somewhere that he's probably only going to play 10, 10 more games. Around yes, his, it doesn't matter, though. You're bringing in Simmons, who is like an emotional player, very emotional player. He can't shoot the ball, so you're losing doesn't that. You're losing that. You're, you're bringing another guy who's going to clog up the paint. I think the defense of the Nets definitely improved with Drummond and Embiid. Uh, sorry, with Drummond and Simmons coming over. But overall... You have a lot of moving pieces here with the Nets and them on a 10 game losing streak. I think they're eighth right now in the standings. I would have to double check. They're exactly but where they want to be. Exactly. They're exactly yeah. where they want to be. Oh, yeah. You want to be in the play in If you want to play in the playoffs as the Brooklyn Nets, there is no better spot than either of the bottom four seeds. Correct. Because you're guaranteeing yourself four games out yep. of, at away. With Kyrie, that's where they want to be. They would be stupid to get into that top four spot. But not in a play-in <laughs> situation. Not in a play-in situation. Play in with, play a surging, with a surging Raptors and a surging Celtics. Six and a half back currently in the standings. Four back of the Sixers who hold the five spot. The Sixers losing, like, like Nick said, they're losing Seth Curry, who's an elite shooter. We don't know the status of Joe Harris. So that is great news that we get him. We get to keep Patty Mills. Uh, we're adding Ben Simmons. Granted, I hate Ben Simmons. I hated him before this trade. Uh, everybody hated him, right? Especially if you're a Philly guy. But I hated Simmons. He can't shoot. Correct. This is possibly the best situation that he could go to where he is on a team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, elite shooters surrounding him. He literally has to do nothing but play defense and assist. Just uh, uh, Jay Williams said it the best. Jay Will said that nobody's talking about the transition baskets. When this guy gets a rebound and he is just driving down, down the lane, that he said he's a, a poor man's LeBron James. These are not my words. Jay Will said this. So this is... 
there's a lot of unknowns with Simmons. What kind of shape is he and when will he come back? There's a lot of unknowns for the entire Nets team because we don't know when Durant's going to be back. Like I said, Joe Harris, LaMarcus Aldridge is banged up. So they're dealing with a lot of injuries. But to lose 10 straight games and still be in the eighth spot and just four games back of the fifth seed Sixers and then what overall they're six and a half back only they get as soon as this the turn happens after this all-star break and you get start to get Durant back if it the Nets are only going to go up from here and they're going to be a scary team I do agree with you in the sense that the Sixers do get better for sure they get better in the immediate uh, future. What is up though with this this like hard on that Daryl Morey has for James Harden? He did it in Houston. <laughs> he he gave up you know the keys to everything, the future to get Harden into Houston, and then he just quits on that team, becomes you know fat stripper Harden, and and, and he gets pushed out of Houston to Brooklyn, and now he's just trading away future assets and getting fleeced to bring Harden back to Philly. And you did hit on a key point, Priyank. When Harden comes somewhere that he wants to play, he's an elite-level player. But guess what? It lasted 10 freaking months in Brooklyn before he decided he wasn't all in. So how long is it going to take in Philly before he realizes he's all out again and he's back at the strip club nightly? One more thing about Harden. He is by far signed to the worst contract in the NBA right now. His contract is easily the number one worst contract you could yep. possibly have a player joining your team via trade have. It's 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 abysmal. I think they screwed themselves. Yeah, it is. And it's only going to get worse. He's only going to have more demands. It does set them up to acquire better pieces uh, for next year if he does decide to stay. And I think in the trade part agreement, he did have to agree to that uh, one-year addition onto his contract. So he will at least be in Philadelphia for all of next year. Unless they change the the chicken wing recipe at his favorite strip club and he demands a trade again (laughs) to Houston or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, One final thing on this. For the first time this season... Um, the Nets are now no longer sole favorites to win an NBA title. They are co-favorites, I believe, with the Ooh. Phoenix Suns, who Suns, are, by the yeah. way, 16.5-point favorites tonight against Orlando, which is just shocking. They are quietly, once again, they were in the finals last year, once again, Phoenix out there on the West Coast, they best are quietly establishing themselves as the best team in basketball. Will it carry over you know, into the playoffs it's tough to say, but uh, yeah, that's the James Harden Sixers Nets trade for, you know, Ben Simmons gone, James Harden gone. Uh, so it's it's going to be a fun second half of the year, whether it's East Coast, West Coast. Uh, but this was one of the most active trade deadlines in a long time. One one quick side point. What about Durant not picking Harden with the, yes. with the pick in the All-Star draft? That was, that was hilarious. <laughs> Very funny. He has yes. size. size in the front court. Yeah, so we, need, we need size. <laughs> we need and then size. LeBron said, is he healthy? What's, uh, can he play? And he's got the clipboard <laughs> over his face. And he's going to put Icy Hot on the hamstring. He's traded. He's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Okay, next up, we have the uh, Celtics acquiring, oh no, excuse me, the uh, Mavericks in a little bit of a surprising move, trading Kristaps Porzingis to the Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Um, Porzingis and a 2022 second round pick going to the, what's what's up with the Wizards? Are they just blowing it up? I mean, Kuzma's just sitting out there on an island. He had a triple-double first of his career against the Nets. Like, they're just blowing it up, I'm assuming. Like, what's going on there? So, so what from what I know, Bradley Beal, this is the first time he's talking about not 
agreeing to an extension. He's keeping his okay. options open, quote unquote. Um, there was locker room distress with Dinwiddie Den- there. Yeah. Um, but at the same thing, same thing with the Dallas Mavericks. There was some distress there with Porzingis. I heard him and Luca did truth, not get along. Yeah, exactly. So to tell you the truth, I think this is just two locker rooms moving pieces um, just so the team is a little more happy going into the second half of the season. I don't think this is going to really have any playoff implications. Yeah, like, and then as soon as they traded Porzingis, they signed uh, uh, Finney Smith to a four-year, uh, I believe, $52 million contract. So they knew they were going to get rid of Porzingis, and they're going to keep their front court of um, of Darrell Finney-Smith and, um, and Powell over there. It, the trade kind of does make sense um, for the Mavs to finally dump Kristaps to a team that – Needed a little bit of size to it. The only thing that I don't understand in this trade is that Dallas has so many banged up forwards right now that it, it, it makes absolutely no sense why they would trade one of their big men, even though he's more of an injury prone big man. Yes, he he was healthy at the time. It doesn't make any sense. They they were so patient with him all year to finally come back and play. It doesn't make sense to trade him this late, but when, at the when same Porzingis, time, you understand it. When Porzingis was playing this year, I will say he was playing some great basketball. Yeah, um, he was playing. He was very important there. He was, a and good I think Washington is also daily. Washington's very aware that Beal is headlining this new uh, upcoming free agency with, like, you know, the likes of Zach Levine and stuff like that. So they're aware sure. that he he's probably not going to resign. He's probably going to chase the money and go to a contender for for once in his career. Okay. Um. Enough said on that. Next up, Celtics acquired Derek White from San Antonio. That's a nice little addition. Spurs getting uh, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, a first-round pick in this year's draft that is protected, and a 2028 first-round pick swap. Um, So that's a good get for, obviously, the Celtics. Derek White um, is a decent player. I think Priyank knows him probably better than I do. But let's face it, the Spurs, they're another team. They're not going anywhere. This might help elevate the 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 Celtics just a little bit, but they're one of those funny teams. They started off poorly this year. They've been on a run um, last month, month and a half, two months. So um, this is only going to have implications for, for, for the Celtics, but the Spurs are blowing this thing up. Yeah, the, the Celtics are getting Derek White. Uh, I think he's an upgrade as a uh, point guard, uh, backup point guard or shoot, shooting guard, the Celtics are going to use him as. Um, and the Spurs only the Spurs get two players who are near the end of their contract. They're probably going to be waived at the end of this year or not resigned. But they're getting two picks out of this. So uh, not two picks, sorry. They're getting one pick in one pick swap. So uh, if anything, I think Spurs is looking more towards the future. They don't really have Richardson and Lang for part of their future. And Celtics, I think, are just getting a player that can help them. Yes, yeah, Celtics get a nice. It's a fair trade. Celtics get a nice yeah, a piece that trade. they need. They get a reliable shooter. He can give you fifteen every night if he wants to. Uh, he's still young. He was a late first round pick when he got drafted in twenty seventeen. I've had him a couple of years in fantasy. He's been banged up at times. I know he sat on my bench a lot last year in our league, but uh, when he's healthy, he does contribute and he's a solid free throw shooter. Uh, he's got a reliable stroke. Pause. To tell you the truth, he's. These three trades we've talked about have all been kind of fair, uh, yep. fair trades. And like yeah. you said, the Spurs are in total rebuild mode. I don't even know yeah. what they're going to look like in a couple of years, but they're they're starting to acquire some nice some nice draft stock. Shout out to Dejounte Murray making the uh, All Star team. All Star yeah. team, yeah, yeah. Been, this Good guy has him. been phenomenal all year. Uh, it's just I don't watch many Spurs yeah. games, but when I do, he's a he's a whiz over there. On the, on the Real court. quick, I don't know about you guys, but I love the fact that there's so many new players in this year's All Star Game. Yes, I, I love it. The, the fresh new faces, people that have you know either it's their rookie or two year player. Trey Young's coming in. 
They Jante mm-hmm. Murray, like you said, uh, John, John Morant coming in. John Morant coming in about John the time we've had somebody like him step up in the league. Lamelo got start in giving didn't these- he? as well. Yeah, Lamelo was in. I love it. I, I honestly, I love it. It shows the quite future of the NBA is in a great spot with this young yeah. talent here. Yeah, hundred percent. I actually like the fact that, like, I almost like. I know it's two years in a row Durant isn't playing in it, but he's almost like that. That guy. He. I, I almost rather him just be like the captain, pick his team, and just sit back and not have to play and let these young guys play. I feel like that would be a lot more fun, you know, to just let the young guys go out there. It will help establish um, more fans into the NBA because you know the All Star Game as it is, no defense and whatnot. You're seeing kind of those same washed up. Uh, Anthony Davis's, LeBron's, all just these guys out there, Westbrook. So it's nice to see, like you said, those those that new young blood for once. Um, just some other quick trades here. Nothing crazy. Um, the Rockets and Celtics also made a trade. Daniel Dice goes back to Houston, uh, goes back to the Celtics from Houston. The Rockets get so interesting. The Celtics uh, dumping some guys here. Dennis Schroeder, Enos. Freedom Cantor and Bruno Fernando. Um, Schroeder, man, I talked to Priyank before you got on, Nick. He had a chance to re-sign with the Lakers on like a three or four-year deal, and he decided, I'm betting on myself and going to free agency, and he got a one-year deal with the Celtics, losing out on millions, and now he's being shipped off to Houston, which I would guess, um, maybe you said this, that they're probably going to waive him. Uh, would be my guess, and then he'll be free to sign anywhere, which, shocker, is he going to go back to the Lakers? If I had to guess, I'd probably say there's a good chance of that. Schroeder and Enos uh, Freedom are probably just going to join playoff contenders, and yeah. um, Dice's backup center role um, mm-hmm. at best with the Celtics. I don't, I don't really make of anything with this trade. Yeah, yeah. The, the Schroeder story is one of the most known in the league. I mean, you're offered, I think it was like a four-year, $84 million contract. Uh, and he bet on himself before the playoffs, hoping that getting a championship would would bolster his uh, resume and, and require more money. I don't know how you can even ask. If you're Dennis Schroeder and you have a mirror, you might as well crack that thing because you're not using it. It's it's a, absolutely insane he didn't take that offer and he's ended up signing for a one-year deal. Well, who is um, his agent that let him do that? I, I mean, oh, he well, should be fired. I don't. Yeah, I forget. I don't know his name. He should. He yeah. He should have been fired. He shouldn't even be in the NBA right now, working for with these athletes. Ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. But it's still a fair trade. I mean, just like all these teams are doing right at the trade deadline, right? The Celtics have so many pieces. They're such a good team right now that they can literally pass off three players to get a, a single piece that they think they need help with. So hundred percent. Uh, is a great player too. Gives them some nice size. So. Okay, next up, this is an interesting four-team trade in which Serge Ibaka goes to the Milwaukee Bucks. That, to me, spells a little bit of a problem. They've already got Giannis. I know the Nets had trouble dealing with him. Now you add a guy in Ibaka who's a big man. You know, he's a champion. He, he's been here, done that. So basically, the nuts and bolts of this, Ibaka goes from the uh, Clippers to the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks get a second-round pick via Sacramento, second-round pick via Detroit, cash considerations via the Clippers and the Clippers get Rodney Hood, uh, Semi Ojale, uh, Marinkovic from Sacramento. Don't even know who that is. Who watches the Kings anymore? Anyway, uh, Kings get DiVincenzo. Uh, they get Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles, uh, David Machino. I don't know him either, to be truthful. And a second round pick via Detroit. 
and the Pistons get Marvin Bagley the third. Dude, I did not know half of these trade pieces in this deal. There's only three real storylines here. Um, wow. One, Bucks Bucks get um, Serge Ibaka, like you said, a playoff caliber player. Um, they don't know the status of Brook Lopez right now. Um, Bobby Portis is a big man that they use quite often. I think he's very int- important part of the team, um, integral part, but he plays a lot of this perimeter role. So I think it, having Ibaka at, gives him another big man. Great point in the in the in the East over there contending. Um, Another big point here is Marvin Bagley leaves Sacramento, goes to uh, the Pistons. I think he gives them a fresh start. Um, he's been not really playing for the Kings in limited minutes. He puts up like good numbers. He puts up pretty decent numbers, but he's not viewed as such a high high caliber player as he was coming out of college. Um, but I think this is a fresh start for him. So I think that's another storyline. And last, uh, Dante DiVincenzo leaving the Bucks. I think this is kind of important. He, he was like a three and D guy for them. Very yeah. important part of the, of the locker room over there. And to tell you the truth, his absence was hugely noted in this uh, playoff finals rematch uh, a couple days ago where the Bucks got absolutely smacked by the Suns. Um, you could see, I, I, I could tell right away that losing Di Vincenzo was a huge part of that loss. Yeah, DiVincenzo was a was a critical piece for the Bucks. He he put in some valuable minutes for them coming off the bench. Um, I would argue that the Bucks got the best end of this deal. Um, Serge Ibaka is such a, a vital piece for a team that is coming off a nice championship run. He brings veteran leadership to that squad. He brings nice size. He's always good for a couple blocks a game. Um, and just the fear of having to play against Ibaka is is uh, worth it itself. So I like the trade. Uh, I like the idea. I also like uh, Rodney Hood uh, going to the Clippers. I think he wasn't getting enough minutes on Milwaukee, um, but he can. He's one of those players that when he's hot, he's so hot. He'll hit five threes a game if he can. It's been a while since he's done that, uh, but he has that type of potential inside him. So those two parts of the four team trade I like the most. Okay, all good points. Um, there's a lot of trades that took place. I don't really know uh, if we should go through all of them, but. Hornets, um, another big one. They're a playoff contending team. Lamelo Ball, he's been phenomenal, right? You've got some other key cogs there. Um, they they went out, made a trade with the Wizards. They get Montrez Harrell. That's some nice added uh, depth to uh, some added size down low um, for them. Wizards get Vernon Carey Jr. Ish Smith, a second round pick. Um, so not much to go over there, really. Any you guys have anything to add f- with that one? No. How does bring some veteran leadership like uh caliber player to um the Hornets as a little more defense? The Hornets don't play defense, so <laughs> I think yeah. this is an important piece, but overall nothing really important. Yeah, there. nothing really. Okay. Um next up, Tory Craig returns to the Suns via Indiana um and cash considerations. The Pacers finally dealing one of those three big men. They've got DeAndre Ayton, um, they've got, you know, uh Jalen Smith, who was the younger of the three, right? And then, of course, you know, my big man in fantasy, uh, JaVale McGee, who's seemingly been around a while. He's been a great backup to eight in this year. You knew they couldn't continue to hold all three of those big men. So the Pacers getting him in return and a 2022 second round pick there as well. They also started using Bismack Biombo a bunch um, once Aiton was hurt. So, you know, with four big men there, it became uh, evident that it was crowded. And uh, Jalen Smith was coming into his own um, 
He was earlier this year. <clears throat> but um, I think ultimately getting rid of him to add another wing defender in Tory Craig was a good move by the Suns. The Suns also were not done there. Like I said, this team is quietly putting together a very solid roster. Them and the Bucks, they were both in the finals last year. They could have said, we don't, you know, we're, we have good teams. We don't need to make it any more moves, but they they were not done there. And where did they go? The bottom feeders, teams like the Wizards, the Pacers. So they deal with the Wizards. They get Aaron Holiday, who's a nice piece there, and the Wizards get cast con considerations. I don't know who it was. I think it might have been the Wizards or the Pistons, but somebody that got cash considerations, uh, one of the team's Twitters, I don't know if you guys saw that, they put it out there, and they were like, welcome, cash considerations. And yeah. it was like a bag of money. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> clever. Very clever. That's all Washington ever gets, right? Just cash. I mean, they, yeah. they just dump their pieces like it's a broken Lego set. And that's all they do. Yep. They haven't been relevant since Michael Jordan uh, unretired and went back there. <laughs> Um, the Raptors, this is an interesting one. They traded Dragic to the Spurs. The Raptors get Thaddeus Young, uh, Eubanks, and a second-round pick. The Spurs get Dragic. Um, he's going to be waived, I heard, right? And then uh, he, uh, there was talks that I forget a couple teams, but I, I saw Miami was not on the list of teams for him to go back to. Uh, do you remember who it was? I don't remember I who it was. Mavs. I think I heard Mavs or something. To tell you the truth, I thought he was going to get waived by the Raptors and eventually yeah. head over to the Mavs because he has a, quite a good relationship with, with Luca, Luca Magic over there, as they call him. But, um, yeah, I mean, this this move kind of just like a get rid of a player that's not really in our future for Thad Young. I, I don't really understand why they took Thad Young here, um, the Raptors, because they had like Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, all these big guys. Uh, I thought they needed more wing players here, so uh, I'm not exactly sure why they did this move. But hopefully, I mean they're they're surging right now. Um, yeah, they they've are. won quite a bit of games, and Siakam's looking nice. He's, he's playing really good ball. So um, yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure why they did this move. Kind of maybe to get rid of Drogic. Yeah, get rid of Drogic. I think the Spurs getting that first round pick is very sneaky. They're going to have a lot of picks in the next couple of years. Uh, and they're gonna they're gonna be able to acquire some nice young talent for that team for a good rebuild. Um, Thad Young, name that's been around for a very long time. He probably wasn't getting used much on the Spurs, so now he gets a nice chance to come in off the bench, fresh for the Raptors, who are a nice con uh, playoff contender this year. Uh, so exciting trade. The Goran Dragic part just kind of makes sense because he they need somebody to 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 kind of come on that team and and do something. I mean they're. they're They've been finishing the bottom half or not even making the playoffs in the West every year for the last couple of years. It's it's abysmal. So hopefully he gives them a spark if they don't keep him. But it's definitely more towards that first round pick they got. Yeah, 100 percent. And, uh, you know, it looks like Popovich is, you know, slowly <laughs> tanking, tanking himself down down the rabbit hole. I mean, he's probably this, the future of this team is not with Popovich. I, I think you guys would agree. He's probably going to hit uh, retirement in these next couple of years if not at the hopefully. end of this year hopefully yeah uh, i agree with that um he looks worn out he like he doesn't does. give himself a haircut his beard looks <laughs> disgusting he looks he like a, a poor wizard from you know 5000 <laughs> bc <Harry> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah he needs Humble to get a job at hogwarts and leave the nba yeah. that's what he needs to do 
Congrats <laughs> to him for making the top 15 coaches in NBA history, though. That's Dude, a, why did Steve Kerr get on that list? Can we, like, come on. I, that I'm That's not sure about. That was my only joke. I was unsure. But yeah. shout out to the Heat's two coaches, Riley and, uh, and Eric Spall. Yeah, Spall. yeah. Yeah, whatever. I'd get on that list too if I coached LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and <laughs> Kevin Love. Okay. Um, just another stupid trade here. Um, the Magic and Celtics really dumping a lot of players. Bull Bull and uh, uh, PJ Dozier go to the Magic again. Magic, another team rebuilding. They're like I said, sixteen and a half point underdogs tonight. It just they're a young team. They're just not very good. So really not much there. Um, Celtics get the second round pick. They're just really trying to dump some middling players. And, and uh, you know, now that they made a couple trades here and there. So um, there's that one. And then we have the Jazz, another team atop the West that is trying to improve on last year's um, basically disaster or choke job in the playoffs. They acquire Nikel Alexander-Walker via Portland and one of the Hernan Gomez brothers, okay? And the Blazers get, this was a three-team deal, mind you, Joe Ingles. Finally, Joe Ingles is gone out of Utah. A little bit sad if you're a Utah fan. He's been there a while. I honestly could not understand how this man was even in the NBA. He just looks like a guy you'd see at the Y or, or like just playing at, at like the gym somewhere. And it's like, hey, you need a couple guys? Yeah, we'll take this guy. And it's like, fuck, we got stuck with the white guy. But, uh, Anyway, Engel's gone to the Blazers and uh, Elijah Hughes um, via Utah as well, and then a second-round pick. So it's a nice get for the Blazers. I'm really curious to see what they're doing going forward with Dame. Is he going to stay? Are they going to build around him? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Who knows? All I know is that the Blazers are getting blown up, and I love it because they keep knocking out the Nuggets every year in the damn playoffs, and I'm tired of looking (laughs) at these guys in the playoffs. They're so pathetic. I, I, I hate this him. Is, this is a very underrated trade for the Jazz. Um, you got two two young players here, um, two good bench role players, mind you. Um, Nikhil Alexander Walker has quietly been a pretty solid piece for uh, the. If I remember correctly, he was on the Pelicans. Yes, the Pelicans. Yeah, Pelicans. Um, before getting traded to Portland and again Portland the Jazz. Uh, I think he's going to bring a good amount of versatility over there, um, coming off the bench for the Jazz. We're also trying to compete with, you know, the Suns, the Warriors here in the West, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Real quick on Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the fantasy basketball chat, but Addy just posted that uh, Alexander-Walker was quoted as saying he found out that um, he was traded to Portland the morning and shoot-around, and then when he landed in Portland, they told him that he was traded again to the Jazz. Oh, oh my God. God. Damn. So, um, I don't think he got cool, a refund cool on business. his flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Definitely That's not. just bad luck, but cool, best of luck cool to him. business. It is. Um, the next big one, we're gonna. I'm just gonna skip over. You don't have anything to say about that thunder and Opala trade, okay? We're gonna skip over that. Uh, let's talk a big one. The Kings. Uh, this this blew my mind. Um, you've got Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, who De'Aaron Fox has been banged up a little bit, but all assumptions were that De'Aaron Fox was the guy they were going to trade. Halliburton's what second, third year guy. I had him as a rookie last year, helped me win a championship in fantasy. Just love the guy. He's been a stud for them. And who would have thunk it? They ship out the younger guy in Halliburton, I guess committing themselves basically to De'Aaron Fox. So 
Pacers get Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. That is a very legitimate haul if you're the Pacers, who, of course, a team that blew it up. Let's not mince words. They blew it up. They traded Karis LeVert to the Cavs. I mean, this was a blow, like total blow up. The Kings, though, in return, are getting Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a 2023 second round pick. And, and what's interesting about the Kings is obviously they're going to get De'Aaron Fox back soon. And they're a team that, if I'm not mistaken, ha has pulled themselves, um, you know, they're not in the, the play-in uh, top 10 spots there, but they're not too, too far out. And I just have to wonder if this was the, if this was a move for this year, or if this is a move for the future, it, it, it just feels kind of like one of those moves because they get rid of Bagley as well. It, it kind of feels like they're blowing this thing up. And I didn't think they were all that much out of it per se, but I, I don't know how you guys feel about this one. I, I'm, I'm torn. I think you had two budding superstars just switched over here in Sabonis and Halliburton. I, I, to tell you the truth, I don't know. I don't know if one team or the other won this trade. I mean, face value kind of says the Pacers kind of won here because they're also I getting Buddy Heald, who I think is better than the Holiday and Jeremy. Lin. Overall, I, I think both these teams are just looking to the future. Uh, there's nothing, no playoff implications, nothing that can severely impact them this year. I would say though, the Kings. Um, played the Timberwolves on the day of this trade, and they got absolutely smoked by the Timberwolves. But then the next day, Sabonis came in for them, and they had a rematch, uh, the Timberwolves and the Kings. And the Kings came on top. So maybe um, something towards the future there uh, between Sabonis and uh, De'Aaron Fox and what the Kings have for the future there. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, okay, so... Next up, the other big trade, big name player, CJ McCollum dealt to the Pelicans. Uh, CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. The Blazers get Josh Hart, uh, Alexander Walker, Sadaransky, uh, Luzada. First round pick, second round pick, another second round pick, uh, semantics, all that stuff, right? We kind of talked about some of that already. That's an interesting move. Uh, like we said, we don't know what the Blazers are just blowing things up here. Um, you've got the Cavs. I kind of jumped the gun on this one, acquiring Karis LeVert from the Pacers. Again, Pacers kind of blowing things up. The Cavs, what are they, currently second in the East right now? The Cavaliers, I don't think they're a problem per se, but at the same time, they kind of are a problem, and they're going to be a problem for whoever has to draw them in the playoffs, especially in that first round. If I'm the Nets, I don't really want to face them um, because you got two former Nets that kind of know that team, and that kind of would scare me. Darius Garland, I mean, that's a good young team who just a couple of years ago had to fire their coach, okay, because there was some, you know, a racial thing said there um and, and it just the whole thing was blown up so what they've done to turn that thing around in a matter of like a year ha has been nothing but outstanding they are the, the the cinderella story in the nba this year would you agree with that oh 100 I, I, I think the, the one cool thing here is um they're getting Harris avert we can bring them some offense this team has lost so many point guards here and it's glad to see garland Coming, uh, coming out of his like shell and playing much better. And um, to tell you the truth, I think whoever matches up with the Cavs, especially if Cavs can somehow get home court advantage for their first or first round at least, I think I think Quicken Loans Arena is going to be a tough place to play. 
Um, personally, I think if they can retain that, we might see a tough uh, series over there in the playoffs, whoever they end up facing. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, naturally become like sort of like a Cavalier liker, honestly. Really? The team is just, they've kind of blossomed from, you think of the Cavs in the last two years and they've just been nothing but, you know, abysmal. And now they're second in the East, eight and two in their last 10. The only other team that is somewhere relevant to their rise to fame that's also eight and two in their last 10, you could say, is the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies' rise this year has just been astronomical. You, you love it. John Morant's a young star in this league now and they're sitting in third in the West. So, those two teams are the big big surprises definitely this year. Uh, and you like to see somebody like Karis LeVert, who's a former net and, and a great overall kid, going to a, a team like that, where he might Jared, actually end up playing in, uh, against the Nets in the first round of the playoffs too. That would be fun to watch. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are a scary front court to go up against. Yeah. I will say that. Very yeah. scary front court. 100%. I can only imagine what this team could do with Colin Sexton back. This guy would – look- but look at all oh these pieces gosh, that the Nets got rid of when, for that Harden trade. When they traded to get Harden, they gave up all these young pieces. These guys are now pretty solid uh, players on certain teams that are all in playoff contention as well. Uh, some of them reuniting, some of them being you know tossed around in other teams as well. But um, it just shows. I mean, the Nets ended up you know selling their soul for uh, a little bit of star-studded power just to. Yep end up making more trades. The, I think the new Nets team that we're seeing, I hate to, you know, uh, go back to the Nets this late in the conversation, but yeah, the Nets, are, the Nets are just, they ride this high every time they ride a high of, they have two superstars and they have three and one of them's out with an injury, but this guy's going to come back soon. And, but even though this guy's out, they just ride the highs. So I think the new trend for this team is going to just be acquiring more superstars year after year after year, uh, deal good, some good pieces, build up a young core to show that they can win um, somewhere else to trade them as well. I think it's just a reoccurring cycle that they have going. 100%. Um, a, a trade that many were not fond of. This was one of the first trades, and it, it started that trend of of the Blazers blowing it up. Uh, cl- they traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers. In return, the Blazers get Justice Winslow. Priyank, you know him very well. Uh, total disappointment. Eric Bledsoe. Um, veteran guard, he'll be a backup, really. Uh, Keon Johnson and a second-round pick. But that was really the trade that kind of kicked the the deadline off, that that really kicked off uh, the Blazers blowing things up and kind of just tanking this whole thing, I would say. Yeah, that was a move that foreshadowed what was to come there. Um, I don't know, I like Norman Powell and uh, Covington going to the Clippers. Clippers are one of those sneaky teams in the West. Uh, you know, I they're know. sitting in the play on this uh, play-in tournament uh, seedings, um, and who knows? I think they end up keeping it and compete in the play-in tournament. But it's, it's it'd be scary to think what the Clippers could do, like as well as they're playing now. Like imagine they had Paul George and Kawhi back. You know, if the, these two mm. are healthy enough to come back next year, you got Norman Powell, you got Robert Covington, you got Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson. Those those squad that squad over there can compete. I think they can play well. Um, with Ty Lue, anything's possible with them over there. So I'm looking toward the for- future. You know, the late like we used to watch the late night uh, late night Clippers. I remember watching those games with you guys. And I'm hoping uh, this is back to that type of era. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, it's a good get for the Clippers. Of course, they overcame a 35 point deficit earlier this year. They just were winning some games on the road that they should not have been winning. So if they could get any of these other guys back, Kawhi, PG-13, 
they're going to be one of those teams that they might not contend, but they're definitely going to be a problem. Um, Nick, your Nuggets made a nice little uh, uh, trade. Not many people are talking about. This was back in January, but uh, Nuggets get Bryn Forbes. Celtics, of course, got Bol Bol, PJ Dozier. They didn't last there for very long before they got shipped out again. Um, but your thoughts on Bryn Forbes? He, he's a nice little player. I think we're having some technical difficulties with Nick. Let me just. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. In. Sorry, guys. So I, the bowl bowl trade, I it's one of those things where if you're in a relationship with a girl and and you know you're not going to marry her, you're doing it just for the short term kind of thing. Like they they took him in the draft knowing that he probably wasn't going to see a lot of minutes, but it was going to be one of those uh, taco fall type impact players coming off late late in the game, and the crowd goes nuts for bowl bowl. I was really hoping that he would blossom into some sort of like you know ten minutes a game type player, um, but it didn't work. That with the um, the low impact of Austin Rivers early in the season, I think, really surprised them, and it kind of forced their hand to trade away uh, some young pieces to acquire a player like Bryn Forbes, who's one of the better three-point shooters in the game, like a Joe Harris-style shooter, um, very consistent, can give you some good minutes, uh, decent defense. He's not the biggest shooting guard in the world. He's only 6'2", but um, he's young still, uh, and he came from a nice program in the Spurs, and he was uh, probably highly coveted in and talked up a lot. So uh, it, I like the trade a lot. It was one of the earlier trades uh, before the trade deadline, obviously. Um, but I do like it. And I like his impact so far in the Nuggets. All right, cool. That's basically wraps it up. There was a couple trades earlier on in January, but no need to really get into that. Um, pretty much the 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 reason you, you've all come here to listen to this, besides basically the debts and Sixers trade, is obviously tomorrow, Super Bowl 56 between the Bengals and the Rams. We have very differing opinions um, on this game. Me and Priyank are all on board for the Rams winning this. I know you're a Bengals guy. Friggin' Brian's on top of the Bengals. My brother yep. is riding money on the Bengals since the beginning yep. of the playoffs. So I don't know what to think about this. The more I read into it, the scarier I feel. The more I feel like the Bengals are going to win. Um, they're saying 70% of the fandom there is going to be Bengals fans. They're the hungry ones in the sense that they have not been to a Super Bowl in 30 years uh, since I think Boomer Esiason was quarterbacking the Bengals. So I, I don't know. It almost feels like destiny, but at the same time, the big storyline in this one, you'll all agree, it's that Rams D-line versus that Bengals um, O-line. They still don't know who's starting at right tackle. That's how bad that this O-line has been. It's not injury-based. It's performance-based. So I don't know what to think about this, but somebody take it over and, and and give me their thoughts on this because there's a lot to jump on. I will I will say one one huge storyline. If the Rams D-line does overpower this uh, Bengals O-line, oh. one huge, one huge storyline will be did the Bengals make a mistake in not taking Penny Sewell? That will be yeah. a huge, huge storyline. Personally, I think the Rams uh, beat them because uh, truly, you're talking about Cooper Cup, you're talking about OBJ, Stafford versus Burrow, Chase, Tyler Boyd, and Higgins. I think it's. I think the the teams match up really well. But if you ask me, the one glaring difference is this defense of the Rams, especially their D line. I think overpowers um, overpowers Bengals. We saw against the Titans. We said the Titans had 
probably the best defensive line that the Bengals had faced. And look how much Burrow was running around, getting tackled. What saved them in that game is their defense. Their defense did pick up and get Tannehill to throw three interceptions. I don't think the same situation is going to happen here in terms of getting Stafford to throw three picks, especially at home. The Super Bowl, again, is at home for one of these teams. The only other time that happened, I'm pretty sure, was Brady and the Buccaneers. I think, yeah, last year. So this is a rare occurrence, and here we're seeing it again. And from what I'm seeing, these the the coaching staff at the Rams have let these players stay at home rather than having to stay like like you know where on the road or at hotels or anything like that. These players are very comfortable, very comfortable. And you're speaking about destiny here, right? You're talking about the Bengals not not reaching the Super Bowl in, in however long, not not even winning a playoff game in such a long time, yeah. you know. I think they're riding on like house money here. They're riding on a high. And to tell you the truth, I think all the pressure is on the Rams. I think they come here and, and win. You're talking about Stafford's first year being traded from the Detroit Lions. The conversation's always been, hey, Stafford's such a great quarterback, but you know, the Detroit Lions just suck. Like, what, what's going on? We talk about OBJ's re-emergence of like a number one wide receiver type role. Obviously, Cooper Cup's the number one wide receiver here, but look, right. look what look what this guy's been doing in the postseason. And then you're talking about Von Miller. They needed an extra guy, and they bring in Von Miller, a former Finals MVP for when he was with the Broncos. You're you're talking about bringing this guy over to the Rams, who already had a beefed-up D-line. I think if you're talking about storylines, and great storyline here, when Brady joined the Buccaneers, it was only it felt like it was destiny for the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl this year. I think we have the same situation here. It's lining up. The stars are lining up again, and they're only four point favorites. Like they're only four point favorites. I don't yeah, think that's asking for much. It's it's very hard to kind of root against the Rams as somebody who's a Broncos fan. And I love Von Miller. You know, I I, I love everything that he brings to the table for this defense. He was a great piece for them to kind of go after in the middle of the season. Uh, that Rams defense is no joke. They are super legit. They're well coached. They're easily the best defensive line in all of football. They have four pass rushers at least that can all get to the quarterback. Um, and you're right. It it is looking like the Rams here. If that the start of the season, even before the trade, or even halfway through it, whatever way you want to look at it, you look at that Rams team. They were destined to make the Super Bowl, and that expectation has been reached. They're at the Super Bowl, right? They made it through the NFC. They had the, one of the toughest strength schedules uh, in all of football this year. Uh, they have to, you know, chew through their own division while at the same time playing all these primetime games, um, acquiring OBJ. They they're a very star studded team. But that is one of the very reasons why you kind of don't want to you want to go against the grain and kind of say like, OK, well, what about the Bengals? Like, what do they bring to the table? What do they bring to the table? They've been the hottest team in all of the playoffs so far. The Titans had a bye. Derrick Henry came back. They go into Tennessee and they beat the number one seed in their own building that was rocking. The very next week, they go to Arrowhead, one of the best home home team uh, hometown favorites. It's so hard to play in Arrowhead. The noise level, the decibel level is through the roof. It's the highest in the entire NFL. What do they do? They come back down uh, 21 or 14 or 17 points, whatever it was to the Chiefs. They come back, they storm back, and they win the game. And they shock Mahomes, his brother, his wife, girlfriend, fiance, whatever you want to call her, spraying champagne on her own friends. Friendly fire. I mean, that's a little disrespectful, but... Talk about a team that gets hot at the right time. I mean, absolutely insane. And their defense is playing like their head's on fire. They're playing way better than they really are because all season they were below average in every metric possible for defense. They lost to the freaking Jets this year for crying out loud. They looked horrible. 
But that offense is gelling so well. They have a young coaching staff, and it's not in uh, in Zach, right? Zach um, Taylor, yeah. Zach Taylor. He's he's been um, a nice hire for them. Talk about a difference between him and Marvin Lewis for crying out loud over there in, <laughs> in Ohio. I'm sure they're loving this guy. They're in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not sure if that that stat you said about 70 percent of the fans are going to be um, Bengal fans at the stadium. Um, that's what I'm I can hearing. tell you this though. You know, Mark that, said it that on seems, the radio. That morning. seems a little bit far fetched for me, considering that the Rams are playing in their home stadium. Maybe the yeah, maybe the, the bouginess of LA is getting was, to them, and they don't want to pay the top dollar. <laughs> I, I don't mean, know, but the Rams just I'm all in on the Bengals back to LA. So it's like you, you've got some fans, you don't have fans. So like we saw this with with the with the 49ers too. It was mostly Niner fans there, um, but the more I'll, I'll, I'll give you this, my heart wants to say Bengals. But my head says Rams. Now the Rams are not an easy team to to root for. I don't want to have to root for them, but I I just have to pick logically speaking and what I truly believe. Like you think I care for OBJ? You you, you know you think I care for for uh, Jalen Ramsey? Like these are punk type of players that they're very hard to root for. Sean McVay is a very likable guy, one of the best upcoming young coaches. This now his second Super Bowl. Let's hope he doesn't choke this one away. Granted, he's got a better quarterback than when he had Jared Goff in the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. I think what 2017. 2018 there and, and um so but the, a, another good storyline Zach Taylor came off of the Sean McVay coaching tree yep. he was another guy that was in Washington on that Washington staff with Sean McVay there so this is going to be really interesting both of these guys know each other very well and like Priyank alluded to the spread is three and a half four points it's not asking a four. lot but the last six um the last six Super Bowls in which there was a spread of this this low, at least three and a half, the the underdog not only covered, they won outright. Um, that yep. was a stat I heard. So it's very tricky that the Bengals, I've counted them out in every game. I will argue they did not win that game against the Chiefs. The Chiefs choked that game away. Joe Burrow threw a late touch, uh, a late interception that should have cost them the game. And then Mahomes, literally, I've never seen anything like it. It was like Space Jam where his like ability and power got sucked out of his body and he forgot <laughs> how to play the position of quarterback and they, he basically fumbled the game away. They shouldn't have even kicked a field goal. It should have been over in regulation. They got the ball in overtime. I had no faith in the, the chiefs to move the ball and win this game. And I've never, I've never felt like that before with the chiefs. I've never felt like with Mahomes at quarterback that, that something has changed and they literally don't have a chance to win this game. So you, you can give credit to the Bengals a little bit. They have a very unique ability to rush the passer with only three guys um, without blitzing. They're going to have their hands full. I mean, let's be real. Eli Apple is not a top-tier cornerback. This is now his third team. Um, he he left when he left New Orleans. He talked he talked the talk, you know, chirping at the fans and and at Louisiana. And he did the same thing when he left the Giants. Um, he's really considered a bust, if you ask me, for being a tenth overall pick. Giants shipped him out to New Orleans. Now he's with Cincinnati. You just kind of feel like the Bengals, as young as they are. They have this swag about them. Of course, Burrow, he's got the shades on. He's cool, calm, and collected. Just one comeback player of the year. All of the pressure, this is what scares me, all of the pressure is on Sean McVay. And the Rams, yep. every, every ounce of it. On Sean McVay almost. Because you saw what just took place against the Bucs. They were winning by a boatload of touchdowns. And the game should have been over. And 
I don't know if it's conservative play calling or what. They choked the game away and almost lost. They, they could have yeah. easily lost that game. So that scares me because the Bengals, we've seen they have that ability to come from behind in that second half and turn it on. And the Rams do the exact opposite. Opposite. So is that yep. going to be what happens here? Yeah, oh, 100%. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think if you were going to take a couple bets in this game, yeah, the four, it's current four, four points on DraftKings. Bengals are plus 160 money line. I like both of those. Um, but if you're a casual better and you kind of just, you know, you're more about the experience on game day of the Super Bowl, Rams minus one and a half, minus two and a half. It's a, it's a, that's a sexy bet. Um, I would honestly, if I was doing the same game parlay, I was going to tell you guys this uh, later today too. Rams money line first half, 100%. It, yeah. It's easily going to be like a 17-10 game at half, uh, 14-6 game at half. You know, Bengals off to a slow start, fire back, and that's what they do. That's their MO. They come out in the second half. They get no pressure on the quarterback in the first half. They come out in the second half, same amount of pass rushers, but they give them that Michael Jordan juice, and they just start getting after it, getting after it. Uh, I so will, I definitely like that. Say, yeah. I just want to add two more storylines here for the Rams. I want to – well, the Super Bowl in general. I want to see – how this Ramsey versus Chase matchup goes and what the Bengals do in terms of adjusting to it. Do they move Chase around a little bit more? Do they change his routes? Do they just include, they start getting other players involved? I think Uzama is going to play. Okay. I don't think he'll miss this. Um, Higby's the only one I know is out, out. but I want to see what they do with this. And the other storyline I want to, I want to see is Cam Akers back from an Achilles tear in almost five and a half months. That is unheard of. That is amazing. And look at him running the ball. I'm curious yeah. if they use this two headed monster in Cam Akers and Sony Michelle and try to play, keep away from Joe Burrow. I think if this is, that would be an interesting storyline. Also, if they try to um, manage the clock, you know, I think that's one thing they lacked when they played Brady and the and the Patriots back in the day. I think, um, the, you know, they that was a year when Gurley was was playing phenomenal. I think he led the league in touchdowns or something like that. And I think they lost track of the clock. The Patriots had the time there, so I'm curious to see what they do with this running game that they've you know started to build over the postseason. Um, Cam Akers is an interesting storyline. He has a Huh, unique ability to fumble the ball at the most inopportune times. So mm -hmm. it's one thing that I'm going to be weary of and, and you're going to want to watch out for. But I, I do think um, I DraftKings, there's a number of, you know, sports books out there that have promos going on right now. You have same game parlays. I think an interesting one, um, I, I was fiddling around yesterday. I got Cam Akers, two plus receptions. I think you hit on it too with the fact that um, what are they going to do with Jamar Chase? I think with Ramsey all over him, I think guys to look at are uh, definitely Hig, uh, not Higby, T. Higgins, excuse me. T. Higgins, he had a very good game against the Chiefs. And I think he has, uh, again, the ability, if he's matched up against Eli Apple, he's got size. Whoever he's matched up on, he's a, he's a problem. And then Uzama. If they can get Uzama, even if he's just in there to help block an Aaron Donald or to just go in there in the red zone and, and clog up, you know, space there and be another option they're going to be a problem offensively like the rams are not some juggernaut in the secondary they've got jalen ramsey yes but they're weak elsewhere and then it's going to be that front that front seven if they can protect joe burrow and if zach taylor calls a, a game where he gets burrow on the move where he's not just dropping back like he did against the titans 
I think he was sacked maybe once or twice, if that, against the Chiefs. Like, they could not get to him. So they adjusted phenomenally. And he deserves all the credit in the world for that. And he knows the Rams like no one else. He he coached with that staff. So, so I think, I, I almost, in a sense, feel like Zach Taylor has the coaching advantage over, over Sean McVay. Not to say that Sean McVay it, it doesn't know what he's doing, but just because Taylor came from there, he he sort of knows that offense, and, and they could tailor around that. And and so no, you know, pun intended there. But um, it, it it's it's gonna be. This is not one of those like you just know the Bucks or, or Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl again, and it's boring. These are guys yeah. that have you know like Stafford has made his due how can you not root for Stafford too like a couple years ago his wife had an insane like non-cancerous tumor on her brain that they had to uh go in and operate on to remove she's made a friggin full recovery it's unbelievable I saw a video yesterday it's like a couple months after the surgery she was in a ring like just boxing she had to learn relearn her motor skills and how to walk and all that stuff it was just insane and if they messed up that surgery she would have gone blind so like he's just a down-to-earth guy he's paid his dues with detroit he is somebody that you're rooting for granted i'm not rooting for a lot of these other players on the rams but you can't complain with this super bowl matchup you really can't no it's a really good matchup there is one thing i don't know if you guys noticed when the rams played the niners uh two weeks ago there was a play inside the red zone that mcveigh called like a uh, play action pass or something uh, Stafford got sacked and they ended up having to settle for a field goal and the camera went to McVay in the sideline and you could see him verbally say to Stafford coming off the bench, like, or coming off the field, like my bad, like my bad. And like, kind of like hit himself in the head with the, with the clipboard. And it was like, ver- like visually very frustrated with himself. He's a great offensive coordinator and head coach for the Rams. Um, I think he might have a tendency though to get ahead of himself a little bit with his play calling. He has so many different weapons on offense. I don't know if you guys watched that game front to back. How many times did they like desperately take a shot at Van, um, Van Jefferson, I think his yeah. name is? Yeah. How many times did they desperately on first and second down keep going deep to this guy uh, on a post route? It, it made no. no sense. I I don't really understand um, some of the play calling that he does, and he doesn't understand it either because he's getting that frustrated with himself. Um, I hope that he coaches a mistake-free game, but... If if either coach were to quote unquote fumble or crumble, um, I think McVay would be that coach that it happens to. And I, I, I do just want to. The add- Bengals are so cool under pressure, and they're so good at adjusting what they need. They understand their offensive line isn't the best, but they also understand the Rams secondary is not as great, and and their safeties are old and weak. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you were to have a if you were to have a roster to target that, you have a perfect one. I will say one other thing um, about that is the Bengals know how to capitalize in these situations. They know they how do. to take they advantage of that. an interception, of a fumble. They know how to put up points. Like we saw that against the Titans, and here we saw it against the Kansas City Chiefs about two weeks ago. You know what I mean? There's no and quit in this team. There's no quit. And I think I think that's one another thing to watch out for is how they capitalize on these situations. And not to say that the Rams will like fumble or intercept for sure, but even in the situation like – like Nick brought up, if they end up settling for a field goal, what's to say the Rams, uh, sorry, if the Rams settle for a field goal, what's to say the Bengals don't score a touchdown on the next drive? You know, that's a, that's a way for them to capitalize, I think, in a, you know, possession versus possession situation. 
the Bengals do start very slow to these football games. They mm-hmm. they take their time getting out of the gate. You know, they will run the ball more than they should. They will throw weird passes that that don't turn into completions early in the game, and they are forced mm-hmm. with a lot of three and outs. Yep. Um, and, that will Josh, hurt them if they don't make the Rams settle for field goals. And Watson uh, try to use very vital. a bunch in the beginning. If the Rams play mistake-free football inside the Bengals' 30-yard line, they will win this game. If they mm-hmm. settle for field goals and they give Burrow the chance to come out in the, in the second half or late right late in the in the second quarter and go down the field in seventy yards in four plays and make this game close, they're in trouble. And I think the one thing, like I just said, is that there's no quit in the Spangles team. I think that's going to take the Rams by surprise when they're up twenty to twenty to seven or something like that, or they force a force a a turnover somehow or some way in the game and they're already up two scores. I, it'll surprise them how quickly a Bengals team like this can climb back into it. I think you put me on Rams money line first half. I will tell yeah. you that. I think I like that. I, I like that, that a lot. It's just what it is. It's, I'm a, I like the Bengals. I've watched them this whole postseason. It, they just start off super slow. They just, it takes a while yeah. for them to get that car started. But once it's started, mm-hmm. it is, it's a Ferrari of a machine. I love them. Yeah, me and yeah I'm nervous. Been talking about I'm a very trends. nervous better going into tomorrow. Very, very me, nervous. Me and Ann have been talking about, and I have been talking about a bunch of trends and um, some bets that I do like. Um, for example, um, we talked about OBJ with his target with his targets. They've been growing each game, and just the other day, DraftKings had a promotion a promotion for five plus receptions for him plus one hundred. I jumped I on that. that immediately. Jumped That's on that immediately. Bet. Yeah, he's been going right. from targets from four to 8 to 11 last game. You know what I'm saying? And I think another trend that you put me on right here is this first half money line. It's now that I'm thinking about it, it's been a, it's been happening. It's been happening a lot in these last couple of weeks. It's one so of those I'm legs that it. you don't really have to think too much about when you right. throw it in there. Cuz if you're mm-hmm. if you're between a four leg and a six game, six leg same game parlay, it's one of those that you can kind of throw in and if it doesn't hit then you're not too mad at yourself because you're taking a coin toss of a chance, but not really because the money line is in their favor anyway for the yeah. first half. It's but a safe leg to add very to the safe, parlay. Very safe, very safe. Very safe. There, there's a couple in this game that uh, if you guys want to go into that I've I've been seeing um a lot of people that I know are very high on that Joe Burrow rushing yards mark just because he's probably going to be running for his life against this defensive line. Um, but that's what a little that? bit of a trucky one. I, it's currently at 10 and a half yards. Okay. Which is yeah. not bad. He does run for first downs. Um, and he did it against the Chiefs. I think he had ended the game with like 16 or 18 yards rushing. Don't don't hold me to it. Uh, right. But he did run for a couple third and, yeah, third and eights, third and sevens and converted. So he has the ability to. I don't know if he's going to have the the freedom and that window to rush four, eight yards near the sideline before getting pushed out or something. Um, a lot of people I know are high on that one. I'm not really too high on that. Uh, the mix in rushing yards, I think, is a sweet spot. It's at 60. So if you want to take it one way or the other, good luck to you. That's a good number to take. Um, I, I will say one thing for these same game parlays to hit, and what I've noticed over these past couple of weeks, is you need a high-scoring game. Hundred yes. percent, and they have been. I'm they have been hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping this is a very high scoring game. Um, my gut says it's not going to be, but I really, really hope it is. That's been the trend of the last two and a half weeks of football weekends. Yeah. Is that these games are crazy action packed, a lot of scoring, a lot of catches, rushing yards, um, and same games have been hitting like crazy, especially in our friend circle. Um, so yeah. if don't be afraid out there to make a same game parlay on things that you just feel like might hit, or you just have a have a shot. In, inside yourself to say, you know what? I think that uh, Cooper Cup's going to have over 105 yards, uh, like everybody else and their mother in the world. He, yeah. I don't see why he. I don't see why he wouldn't. You know, 
He's played yeah. that way so so well all year, and it's definitely not going to be the Bengals to slow him up. Right. Um, but there's things well, like that that you can just add into your bet. Here's what I'll say. Um, I'm going to go with the Rams winning this game. I'm going to predict the final score to be 35 to 27, uh, mostly because that's the numbers I need is Rams five and Bengals seven to win a little <laughs> over $11,000. So let's, let's get it, baby. Yeah, I'm probably going to predict more of the, uh, let's see. I'd probably say like, I think it's, I think the spread is going to be very close to four. So I want to say like yeah. a, like a 34, 27. I, I'm right there. I don't, I don't know about 35, maybe 34, even 31, 27. I had, that's something I see 31, 28, something along those lines. I think last week, uh, uh, not last week, the week before the chiefs and Bengals game is a very good marker for how something like this will happen. Um, if you have the numbers four, seven, and zero in your pool for this weekend, you're, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're probably not mm-hmm. going to hit because the Bengals aren't going to score that touchdown early. I know. Um, and they're definitely going to be put in a situation where they probably will have to go for two. And even if they get it or they don't get it, somebody that has a six or a nine out there is going to be hitting on these pools. Um, something like that, I think, will happen. I think the, the Rams, like I said, will lead at the half, and I like the Bengals to storm back in the second and make this a close game. Um, Maybe a mistake at the end of it from Stafford because he's been known to throw yeah. a couple reckless interceptions late in the game when that pressure kicks up and McVay's dialing up, you know, um, one rushing yard, one rushing play for a yard, and he's throwing twice, and then they're punting, or they get a first down. They're they're looking like the juices are going, and then Stafford throws a nice pick off somebody's hands, or a linebacker tips it, or something. Um, they do not play mistake free football in the end. They get nervous and they, but they somehow squeak out the wins. Whereas the Bengals fight claw. Uh, against all odds, and they've proven that they come out on top every time. Uh, it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a is. really, really good game. It's it, it should be a good game. If if the rest of the playoffs are any indication, it will be a very close game. Here's one uh, stat I will throw out there: Sean McVay does not lose when he's leading at the half. Now, on the flip side of that, when he has been losing at the half. He's only won twice, and both times were in NFC Championship games. We just saw it. They were down to the 49ers. They made a huge 10-point comeback, won that game. Really should not have won that game. Uh, that Tart should have intercepted that ball. He did not. Um, but that that's an interesting note there because if the Rams have that halftime lead, Sean McVay usually closes it out. So... It's going to be, it's just another added element to this thing because most of the time the Bengals are getting down at the half. So if that is the case, it, it, it's almost, it's almost a wrap for them. But at the same time, you just, the way they've been playing this playoffs, you almost wonder if this is the one time that Sean McVay will blow it at, you know, a halftime lead and lose the game. I don't know what to say. I do. I, I am leaning towards this being like a field goal game where it's, it comes down to like a game winning field goal for the win um, from either side. That's how close I think this could end up being in the end. And don't panic yeah. if the game starts to get away in the beginning one team starts to build that like 10 point lead in the first quarter because no neither team is going away. This isn't going to be one of those blowout, you know, Broncos Panthers Super Bowls. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I think I think I I agree with you. That's why the the number f- that four spread does scare me. Uh whatever side you take, whether you're um playing it safe and you're taking the Rams in this one minus two and a half, that's a good odds or the Bengals plus four, I like a lot. Money line, I'll probably put like two or three units on it. Um, just to have a little bit of fun with it and see if I was right, you know, 
to prove my that all the the shit talk that I've done for the last two weeks ended up being anything uh. productive. Because <laughs> um, I am one of the only like two or three p- people in our in our circle that that likes the Bengals in this game. Um, the plus four line I really do like, and the over under of forty eight and a half that has a chance to hit too. Um, yes, as long does. as there's not too many field goals, um, and even if there are, McPherson's good for it. Like the kids, the kids got a leg. So if it comes yeah, down to does. a field goal at the end of the game, and if it's a forty nine yarder, uh, you better believe that the Bengals are cutting that cutting that lead down or going ahead by one or two or three at the end of the game. Uh, he's he's definitely good for it. Um, any final thoughts, uh, uh, some, some prop bets you like, some, some, some guarantees, anything? Uh, I will say of those daily boosts that DK has been putting out, I took cup to score anytime, uh, TD. I took Burrow to throw for two touchdowns and I took, um, OBJ with five plus receptions. Um, there was one yesterday for mixing 10 yards in the first quarter. I did not feel comfortable taking that. So I did not put any money on that. And then, the other one was, uh, if I remember correctly, it was plus 200 for you to pick which side scores first. Again, I'd, it's very tough to see which team will score first. So I didn't touch that. But right, I, I, I want to look, look at a couple of these uh, couple legs for my same game parlay. You know, I'm going to make a same game parlay. Of course. Um, I, do like, I do like the rushing yards on Cam Akers. I'm going to look into that. Um, probably look into T. Higgins a bit. Um yeah, but uh, I'm not entirely sure who I think is going to score touchdowns in this game. I will tell you that. I think Cup does. I think he gets in the end zone because, you know, Stafford's looking at him all the time in the red zone. That's his first read every single time. Um, but, like, the others, I- I'm not exactly sure. So I'm a little wary on that. You're not going to go with any of the fun ones? Coin flip, Gatorade color, uh, over under uh, on um, the national anthem, n- none of those variety? Uh, um, if If... If I see, I need to see who's singing this national anthem. Yeah, I don't um, know who it is either, to be honest. If I know, if I'm going to look into it, but other than that, I don't think those are just straight gambles. I'm not touching <laughs> any of those. I would, I would highly suggest uh, if you are going to bet on the over under for the national anthem, it does tend to leak um, the morning of the Super Bowl. Probably. Someone in the stadium will usually be there, time it themselves, and post <laughs> Twitter on an nah, unofficial account. Yeah. Um, the, DraftKings is very aware of this issue. They did it last year and they uh, didn't allow the national anthem bet to be placed at a certain time frame when it was going viral okay. on Twitter. Um, so I would definitely have DraftKings. Op- if you're going to be take the Super Bowl very seriously as a better, I would have DraftKings open, monitor Twitter all day, check and see if somebody says, all right, I just timed it. It was, it was two Oh seven and the over and there's two fifteen. um, throw it in. I don't know about you guys, but the video of Aaron Rodgers at the golf outing, where he flashed the four fingers to the guy that called his name. The first thing I did was I went on to DraftKings and tried to bet for NFL MVP, uh, and they took it down. You couldn't do it. So oh, I think wow. at that, I think at that point they already announced who it was going to be, and then later on the next day, yeah, he was awarded his fourth oh, MVP wow, trophy. So there are little things like that that they do. I would I would stay away from some of the other crazier prop bets. Um, they tend to probably never hit like offensive lineman cut catching a touchdown like fat man touchdown something uh the gatorade color one is fun the coin toss one is a nice little leg to your uh risk-free parlay because you'll know right off the bat if your parlay's bust or not so um right. high risk high well, reward there last i saw with the coin flip i think both heads and tails were minus 105 that's just not good enough odds to go 50 50 yeah if, it's I, great. if i'm thinking it's 50 weird. 50 like you gotta give me positive odds on that, I can't touch minus one. It's because the house has to make a little bit of money. That's, I that's mean, really it's all it is. Oh. Yeah. Uh, there is a, there is a. Uh, it's not a boost, but they are giving away 
the Jamar Chase over three and a half rushing yards. He usually gets around one or two rushes a game yeah. on some end around sweeping play from the back. Um, I have seen him take one for 15 yards before. Last week he ran it for one yard. Um, so it's one or two yards. I, I forget what the number was, but he it, it wasn't successful. Uh, but they do tend to lean towards maybe one of those play calls in this game, especially if they're moving the ball with the running team, with the run. Um, exactly. And they got the Rams playing on their heels. That's a good little bet. Uh, I do like what Priyank said with the Joe Burrow over one and a half touchdown passes. They had a boost earlier this week for that. Um, but right now it's sitting at minus 200. That's a good bet to take. Um, and then TD scores, I don't think you should think of it. Um, and a couple of years past, you know, not that many touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Very hard to kind of predict who's going to score. I think this game's very bread and butter with who's going to score. I think Cup's going to get a touchdown. I think somebody like uh, Odell's probably going to get a touchdown too. Um, if you're looking at somebody with high value for maybe a two touchdown prop in this game, T Higgins would be a great player for that or Jamar chase, something like that. Um, I don't know if I would touch any of the Rams running back. That's honestly, I just, I don't think I would touch it. I think I'm not sure if either the running back score here. I don't, I don't think so either, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if either or, or one, if one or both quarterbacks get in on either Stafford has been known to get in on these quarterback sneaks in the playoffs. And then, like you said, with, with Burrow, maybe having a scramble on a third and goal or something and, and maybe run it in. Um, I think there's some good value to be had with those two. Yeah. And I think the pressure in this game is going to be so high. I don't know if there's a prop for this. I haven't, I haven't really looked. I'm sure there is. But a team to go for it on fourth down and not convert, like a turnover on downs prop, okay. that that would be one. That's a fun one that you can put it on because the um, the trend this season has definitely been in, when you're no man's land, you go for it. A lot of teams are they're not afraid to punt, but they find it way more rewarding to risk going for fourth down. Um, yeah. So if that is a bet, I would I would definitely uh, tap into that. A lot of fourth and one uh, situations have not converted this year. I have yeah. noted that. So yeah, who knows? I just think Very of possible. that Stafford fourth down play where he didn't convert on the quarterback sneak, and then McVay challenged it, right. and it was unsuccessful. Oh, that was a bad um, challenge. Yeah, yeah, it was a horrible challenge. So things of that nature. If if if, if a team were going to go for it on fourth down, not convert, it would be the Rams. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I I agree. Um, like I said, this game it it, it has you know one possession written all over it. Um, I'm praying to God that that's the case. I don't want to see a dud. I don't want to see a blowout uh, yeah. for anybody's sake. I, I just hope it's a good game. You know, there hopefully there's some good commercials. Some of them have started to leak. I seen one with Pete Davidson where he's just getting rocked or whatever, like tackled. Um, I so so there's been some cool commercials there, but it, it's overall it's a Super Bowl. It's a it's a great time. It, the day after the Super Bowl should be a holiday. We should all have off from work, but that's another it's another uh, you know argument for another day but um yeah so look at some of these like intricate there's some there's some props out there there's some good ones there's money to be made here super bowl is the most heavily bet sports event in the world and there so there's going to be billions wagered on this especially now that it's become legalized in new york last month uh, i mean this this is going to be everybody it's going to it's going to shatter viewership records just because of you know your people like my brother my one brother who doesn't gamble like virtually ever you know he's putting money on this so people like that that are just going to be betting uh just to, to get in on the action it, it's going to be great 
Like I said, I'm leaning towards the Rams, but I'm probably not going to bet the spread in this one. Um, I might throw the Rams money line in there uh, on like a same game parlay, but otherwise, you know, it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's it's a hard game to kind of predict, but it's it, it makes for a lot of different storylines that could potentially come true, uh, more so than other, uh, other Super Bowls in years past. Um, and there's a lot of options in this game for somebody to just go off and have themselves a game. We've all seen what Jamar Chase can do when he gets 10, 12 targets a game. He can easily go for 200 and two touchdowns. Um, Joe Burrow has proven that he's very calm, cool, and collected under pressure. He can chuck up 350 like it's nobody's business. Um, and Stafford has a lot of weapons around him, and he has the potential to throw some touchdowns and go off too. So it's going to be a really good game. Um, I would definitely lean towards Odell over over five catches prop, anything of that nature. These secondary wide receivers, I think, are going to have a, a pretty good game. Um, and hopefully we see a lot of passes because games that have a lot of rushing plays in them tend to go a little bit faster. Even a game like a Super Bowl that's notorious for going very slow and having random commercial breaks um, and stupid Pepsi commercials and shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hopefully we see a lot of passes, dead clock plays, incompletions, things of that nature, passes out of bounds, completions out of bounds, toe touches, you know, let's make this game last as long as we can. So we have the most opportunity for uh, some of these player props to hit. Two things I don't want to see is a low scoring game. That's my gut feeling. And secondly, a team that gives up, you know, like a blowout. I don't want to see that either. So if if it's neither of those two, I'm going to be satisfied with this game. Real quick, why I researched this before I forget to bring it up. Is it true that Snoop Dogg is not doing halftime now? Did he get canceled? I'm not sure. I saw something so, along those lines just now, too. I told you guys this uh, yesterday. You didn't believe me, um, but that's the rumor. He has sexual assault allegations against him. So the rumor is that he will not be participating in this halftime show. I honestly don't know how true or not it is, but uh, don't bank on Snoop Dogg being there. Um, but you'll get ooh, Dr. Dre, Kendrick, um, Mary J. Blige. It, it is what it is. But uh, I never typically sit there and, and watch the Super Bowl halftime. Yeah. That's that's when you got to take your bathroom breaks and you know do do what you got to do. Maybe get those bets in, you know, here there whatever. Uh, one thing I will say: this is being broadcast by NBC this year. NBC is doing the Super Bowl, and you have um, a Rutgers alum. Um, doing the sideline reporting for NBC on the Bengals side, um, Catherine Tappen is going to be making her Super Bowl debut for the Bengals side. Of course, you've got long snapper Clark Harris also of Rutgers on on the Bengals. So uh, that should be cool, representing New Jersey, representing Rutgers there. Um, so that should be fun. Uh, so yeah, that's just, if you're looking for the Super Bowl, it's not going to be on Fox. It's not on CBS. It's on NBC or Peacock this year for those of you that are st- plan on streaming the event. One other fun thing I did want to bring up was, did you guys see this Detroit Rams gear that uh, <laughs> the shop is selling in Detroit? No. They're not selling Lions gears. They're selling Detroit oh, Rams. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty fun. funny. It's been trending on Twitter, so you got to check okay. it out when you get a chance. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I'll check that out as soon as we wrap this up. But yeah, that pretty much, that that's all I've got. Um, if if you've got one last thing to, to, to note or, or, or whatever, um, you can. But otherwise, uh, that'll, that should just about wrap, wrap things up. Uh, one quick thing. I know switching gears here with sports. Uh, USC tonight, big event. Israel True. Adesanya and Whitaker are, high, uh, are the headlines right there. Um, Nick, since you are our... UFC expert here. Uh, there's a people's Resident parlay on, 
are uh, on DraftKings here. Just oh, one I of saw your it. quick thoughts on Derek Lewis, Israel Adesanya, and forgive me, Brunson. Um, Final. Finding tonight. Final. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you? A- what's your thoughts on uh, these three guys? Uh, money line. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. I, uh, in the time that we've started this podcast and since recorded it, I have reached out to our good friend, uh, Mr. Glasson to see if he has had a UFC parlay. Sadly, he has not responded to me yet. Uh, but I will definitely keep you guys in the loop on any bet that he takes. He's known to take, um, the people's parlay and mix in his own little, um, uh, two or three legs extra. Uh, he's not an extravagant better. He's more of like a $15 or like five or six leg parlay for UFC. Um, I will say this, uh, Cannoneer is a very surprising, um, fighter this year, this year. He's, he's performed very well. I've won a couple bets because of him. Um, I'm kind of nervous for him, but he's a favorite in this one. Minus 155. I like that leg in this a lot. I think the Derek Brunson leg in the people's parlay, is that what you said, right? Yep. I think if any leg in this had to be the one that busts, it would be this one. Um, Derek Lewis and Ty Tua Vyasa, that's going to be a fight that everybody is going to enjoy. Derek Lewis is a crowd favorite, the Black Beast, and uh, Ty Tua Vyasa is the guy who will always take a fan's shoe and put a beer in it and do a shoey as he's walking out, win or lose. So that's going to be a great fight. And the hype between Adesanya and Robert Whitaker, I think this is their second match against each other. It's there. You know, it's I don't know if you guys saw the presser yesterday or um, the weigh ins and things, but um, they've been they've been chirping back and forth. Adesanya has been very vocal about a couple things uh, leading up to this fight, one of which actually is defend uh, is defense of Joe Rogan, which has gone uh, since gone viral. Yes. Um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a really interesting fight. I would I would I like Adesanya in this. I like Ty Tuavasa in this and I like Jared Cannonier in this um, two of the three people parlay uh, legs going in opposite directions. Um, I will say um, the odds um, since I took it this morning have jumped from 350 something. I think I took it at um, with the odds boost jumped into five something, but um, the original odds jumped from 357 to 391 now plus 391. Okay. Very good. Very good. There's yeah, there's, there's a good chance of uh, making money on tonight in the UFC with these fights. I, it's very, it's very hit or miss, very tight matchups. I think the only one that isn't technically really tight is the Adesanya-Whitaker fight. I think Adesanya is just, he's in a league of his own. He's so on top of the world right now when it comes to fighting. Yeah. He, he's the next, you know, star-studded McGregor fighter right now. He, he's, he's already almost at that level uh, in respect. Style bender, yep. The style, but the last style bender. You got to love him. Got to love him. And be on the lookout for Ty tonight. Ty uh, Tuovasa is... He is very entertaining and he has some crazy, crazy, like Derek Lewis is, is tough as nails and he'll go five rounds and be gassed and he's swinging his arms and swinging them. And he plays, he, sometimes he does the fighting technique where he fakes like he's hurt and then he'll come out of nowhere with an uppercut and, and, and the fight. Uh, Ty is just a heavy, heavy hitter and he's a really big guy. Uh, so it's going to be a fun matchup. Both, uh, both guys are massive. Okay, there you have it. Um, yep, UFC on tonight, Super Bowl tomorrow, NBA's on tonight as well. There's plenty of stuff to bet on. Um, you name it, it's there. Sports betting is becoming legalized in more and more states 
around the country. So it's it's fun times now. And it really is. I'm looking forward to this UFC event tonight. We'll play some video games a little bit later after this Rutgers game. Rutgers is currently up one with two minutes left in the first half. But uh, Wisconsin is at the line. They just tied it up. They're getting a lot of a lot of calls late here. This at Wisconsin. Rutgers. Fun fact, since 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 I've been employed by Rutgers Athletics, uh, their basketball team is in undefeated. So yeah, won back to back games for the first time since 08 against ranked opponents. Ranked opponents. Yep. Yep. Looking for their welcome with that. I've had everything (laughs) to do with that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) But. You know, anyway, it was fun, guys. Thanks for coming on. Um, I'm the Pody for Priyank and Nick. I really, truly appreciate you guys coming on, supporting the show, and and, and giving out your, you know, Super Bowl picks, trade deadline uh, news, all that good stuff. So appreciate having you guys. Hope you had as much fun as I did. Oh, for sure. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me. I'll be expecting my paycheck in the mail. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll be there. <laughs> All right, Glad guys. To be back after about four years. Thank you for that. Yeah, it, yeah, it has been a really long time. I think you were on like, weren't you on like the first episode, and then yes. maybe first two episodes or something like years ago. And yeah, haven't had you on since really. Um, but so, yeah, that was fun. Um, you're a resident NBA guy, so you you brought you brought the knowledge, spitting facts there with those trade Shams Junior. Yes, yeah, Shams Junior, right there. <laughs> That's your new nickname. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, but all right. Thanks. Thanks again. Um, enjoy the episode guys. Send us your, your Super Bowl picks, what you like thoughts, um, hit us up on social. Um, but with, with that being said, I'm the Pody. that's Priyank, that's Nick, and we are signing off. Deuces. See ya. Peace.